Good morning. Welcome to Trainwreck Marriage. I'm Dave Touchton. And I'm Susan Touchton. Hey, Susan, why don't you start us off today? Well, this morning, as we obviously are going into the Christmas season, it's the week of Christmas, and that comes with all kinds of emotions, excitement, um, stress, anxiety, just, you know, the gamut of emotions. And so today, I just kind of wanted to focus on the reason we celebrate and just kind of put ourselves in maybe Mary and Joseph's shoes and what they might have been thinking and might have experienced when the angels came to speak to them. And so first thing this morning, I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they became together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. And something that just kind of sticks out to me, um, when the angel appeared to Joseph, and also in Luke chapter 2, you can read where the angel appeared to Mary, but he said, do not be afraid. He said, do not be afraid because something significant is going to happen, something life-changing is going to happen, but you don't need to be afraid. And I think a lot of times, um, especially in the time that we're living now with COVID and all the crazy things that are going on in our world, we have a tendency, our flesh wants to live in fear. Well, we can't do this. We can't do that. We can't get together with family. We should wear a mask. We should get vaccinated. We shouldn't get vaccinated. And the, and the, it goes on and on. And, and I think a an important message out of these verses as we prepare to go into the holidays with our family is do not fear. You know, God is with us and everything that happens, God has a plan for. And we can't see the other side of what his plan is. Joseph couldn't see what the outcome of Mary being pregnant. She couldn't understand, he couldn't understand how this can be. He couldn't under, he was going to divorce her. He couldn't grasp the concept of this woman that I'm supposed to marry is pregnant somehow, some way. But the angel comes to him and says, do not be afraid. And he was obedient, be obedient in that and continued to take Mary as his wife. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, I'm was looking for the scripture um, where the angel come to Mary, Susan mentioned, and uh, want to draw this point because, it, it, you know, we get so wrapped up in what logically makes sense and where our head is and what we should do or what we shouldn't do or all of this. And, you know, it, it was very curious to me that, that when the angel come to Mary, and said, you'll be pregnant, she didn't go, holy cow, can't be me, nope, doesn't make any sense, I'm not interested, don't, she's like, 
yes, whatever the Lord wants. Joseph, on the other hand, and that, you know, he takes a stark difference um, in in the direction he goes because uh, Joseph, uh, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace and had in his mind to divorce her quietly. Let's be honest. How many people in any situation would take the most logical, logic says, it's not my child, I'm going to divorce her. Logic says, I need to do this. Logic says, I need to do this. And and that's really where we start thinking with our head. And our, our head is is really the playground of Satan, I'll be honest with you. For me, it is. Maybe not for you, because thoughts come into my head all the time of, well, I need to meet with them, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and then it's going to blow up. It doesn't happen that way, very rarely. And that's the thing is, I, I think in this instance, you can see directly how um, Joseph's head and logic, it made sense. Divorce her. But I want to do it quietly. I don't want everybody to know. Um, and then when you see the angel come and talk to him. He went from thinking from his head perspective to thinking from his heart perspective of, I don't need to know how. And I think that's a a thing that we do so much is we just really drive on the point of, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I think it's somewhere in the Bible. It says, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. But yet we expect them to be. Mm-hmm. You ever notice when you pray? We pray logically. We don't pray for the craziness in most cases. I'm not saying everybody. But we, we Lord, make this day a better day. Okay, what do we mean by that? We want work to be fun. We don't want any problems. We don't want any issues. That's head knowledge. We're, we're, we're not praying for heart knowledge. We're not praying for things that align with God. We kind of try to throw it in. I think most people do. Uh, there's always a let your will happen or, you know, um, something of that nature. But I think logically in our head, um, that's probably one of our biggest deceivers. And you look at Joseph and Mary and what they ran into as well. Um, here, I'll get him, babe. You, you good to go or, oh, okay. Um, sorry, we're messing with our dog. He's in the middle of this whole, we didn't kennel him up and that probably was a mistake, but, um, you know, I, I just, it's one of those things that when you start talking, I've, I've said this for quite some time. Um, you're disconnected from God only by 18 inches. And that's the distance between your head and your heart. And when your head overthinks things, then you get into um, not only what should happen, I mean, even pridefully, you want everybody to be happy. You want everybody to be impressed. You want everybody, I mean, there's just a, there's a mixed bag with that. And I think we tend to, uh, we tend to tie God into a spot that, we really don't allow him to work. Um, we really just allow us 
to think it through and do what we feel is best. Well, and then I think when we don't allow him to work in what then we do, and then when something happens, we're like, well, God, what happened? Or right. God, why did this happen? Or um, it's because we're not sometimes patient enough to let him do the leading, or we don't even seek him to do the leading. And so um, he just kind of, for lack of a better word, takes his hands off and says, here you go, figure it out. I hope it works out. Um, you know, and so it's, for me, this these stories about Mary and Joseph, and um, it seems like this year there's been, I know um, the pastor preached on this Sunday about what do you do when God doesn't make sense, whenever what he is allowing or doing in your world doesn't make sense. And he took it back to, to Mary and Joseph, just having to, that trust that this does not logically make sense. This is impossible in a fleshly world. Um, but God doesn't work in the flesh. He works in the spirit. And so just trusting that what he is doing and what he says is he's got a different outcome. And we don't know what that outcome is. A couple things that stuck out to me in the sermon this weekend um, was um, the song that, you know, God, the battle is God's. So whatever it is you're battling, whatever it is, and, you know, honestly, David and I have been at kind of odds the last week. We've just, it's been really quiet in our house because we haven't really said a lot to, to one another just because of circumstances that we're dealing with that are outside of our control for the most part, um, hurt that we talked about last week. Um, and so we, we both have just kind of been in a mood. And so I, I was thinking, you know, Lord, why are we going through this? Why is this? But then I just gave it to him because it's not my battle to fight. You know, it's not my battle. Yes. I've got to work on our marriage and try to make it, um, as good as can be, but <laughs> it is such a struggle. It is <laughs> when when he's in a toot, or when he's in a bad mood, or when he's frustrated and he shuts down and he's quiet, or whatever the case may be. It's God's battle to to work out with him. It's it's not necessarily mine, and I just have to trust that God has a, an outcome that will be glorifying to him. And I, it's just going to take some time for me to see it. If, if well, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. But you do it, too. I think no, it, you yeah, shut down and it's like, how are you doing? Fine. You okay? What's wrong? Nothing. And, you know, you look at a marriage, everybody does it in their own way. Um, you know, for me, a lot of times it's, it. I've kind of learned that, that I when I get pissed, it's best that I kind of keep my mouth shut. And I try to figure out because it usually I say something wrong and, but it's, it's one of those things that, you know, Susan brings up a great point, but are you giving that to God? Or are you trying to control it? What makes sense? What should you do? Well, I need to do this. I need to buy this. I need to give them this. That's not going to fix anything. That's a temporary bandaid at best because really only God knows their true heart. Even being married, we've been married almost 28 years. Um, I can tell you God knows her heart better than I do. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. 
So why wouldn't I go to the guy that knows the most? And it's not about change her. It's about let your will happen, Lord. I don't know what's going on. And sometimes it's praying for me to just be okay with it and move on. Because it may not have anything to do with me at all. Yes, I might have struck the match. (laughs) But I didn't build the firewood pile that caught on fire and become a bonfire and heated three counties around. Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) I mean, that's what I'm saying is you don't know. So, I mean, why wouldn't you take it to the guy that knows it all and say, Hey, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to give you this mess. We, we overcomplicate prayer so very much it aggravates me to a point because we we feel like we've got to list everything and we got to say it correctly and we got to know. My thing is, God, I don't know what's going on. Deal with her. I, I mean, it can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be because he knows your heart. And if he knows your heart, then you don't have to explain every widget to him because he already knows it. And I think sometimes we get caught in that trap of the sense of, oh, I need to explain everything to God so he can get my side of the story. Well, reality is God already knows the whole story. So you just need to say, Lord, I surrender this to you. Done. Let him work it out. And I think sometimes everyone, and I'm definitely not picking on Susan or anyone else, but You know, just like with Joseph, you know, we go in with an angry, you can't tell me, he said peacefully, oh, I think I'm going to divorce her quietly. He was probably pissed. If you think about it, he was probably like, I'm divorcing her. I'm done. I'm not doing this. But again, when you really break it down, it's about trusting God. It's about allowing the heart knowledge. And that's one thing that um, through a situation that's going on in our world, um, not really with us, but our world, um, I've had to listen for God to give direction on a situation very closely. He was very clear in the middle, stay out of it. And then it's kind of went dark on the situation. So... Um, it's really one of those, are you even listening? Do you care what God says? Cause if you're not listening, I, me and Susan, I mean, we're a great example of how not to communicate. We've done it wrong for decades and we're figuring it out. But if all I did was walk in and go blah, 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 and then walk out, how would she feel? How would she feel when she never even got to say anything? Wasn't how it was your day, nothing, no response. Well, okay, a night or two, that's okay because, you know, shit does happen. But realistically, if I did it every night for a year, she'd be tired of it. Not being able to communicate back. And I think that's where listening to God and and really trying to figure out what the heart knowledge is or the heart decision is in this conversation is the hard part. Well, and I think when we listen to God, we expect to hear a voice. 
we expect him to say, okay, Susan, blah, blah, blah. Um, and when we don't get that immediate response, then we think, well, he's not listening, he's not there, he's asleep, he's whatever the case may be. You know, and we've talked about this several times of you have, if you are talking to God, you have to be quiet and you have to listen for his response because he does come to us in a still small voice. And, um, you know, you just kind of have to, and sometimes it's not immediate. Sometimes it's, you will recognize that your heart is starting to change because that's God speaking to you and him molded you and shaping you. Um, something that David had said that kind of caused me to, I hopped over to Luke chapter one, where the angel appears to Mary. And when he comes to her, he says, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And in verse 29, again, this is Luke one, verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So, and the angel came to Mary and said, um, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And that troubled her greatly. So that could mean she was like, what in the world? You know, why are you telling me this? Um, and then the angel goes on to say in verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Um, and of course, Mary was very young at this time, but she was highly favored, which means to assume that she had a relationship with the Lord and that she communed with him regularly and that she had a relationship with him um, because the Lord found her highly favored enough to carry his son who was going to be the savior of the world. But yet Mary was troubled and wondered why she was receiving this. Why me, Lord? Why did you pick me? Because I can tell you, again, Mary's thoughts could have been, well, I'm not that holy. I'm not that great. I'm not, why are you picking me? And it, it, to me, that goes to show that God looks at us differently than what we look at ourselves. Right. And that God did find Mary highly favored. And um, again, that's because I'm, she had a relationship with him. She knew him. She was doing all the things that she needed to be doing to try to grow that relationship. But again, she felt troubled. Why, why me? Um, and to hear the God say, you know, you have found favor with God, or for somebody to just tell you, you have found favor with God must have been, I mean, I can only imagine how great that must have been. And so, um, just that not fearing what the outcome is going to be, because Mary probably thought, what are people going to think of me? What is Joseph going to think when he finds out I'm pregnant? Right. How is this all going to work out? But she trusted enough to um, be obedient, and she trusted enough that what the angel told her was truth, and that um, you know she just was going to be obedient to what he told her and go on with it. Well, and I'm going to kind of segue a little bit, because um, you, you said something that really... Um, 
really kind of made me stop for a second. Um, and I think sometimes we get confused. We assume God sees us the way we are. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not the case. God doesn't see us the way we see ourselves or the way our spouses see us. God sees our heart. God sees our intent. God sees what we do. Um, I mean, God just, and I guess that's kind of a point for me to, to kind of really stop and dwell for a second. God sees your great parts and what you're capable of doing through him. We see what we can do earthly through us. We see our flaws. We see the parts where we are just trash in our minds. We, we all have those thoughts at times. And why would God use me? I mean, I think Susan brings up a great point because God knew Mary's heart. God knew what Mary was going to do before he ever said anything. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in this world we're in, for say, for lack of a better word, of we get so wrapped up in, um, okay, what's the Joneses think? Does our house look nice? Is the car run good? Does it look nice? We, we kind of build this facade based off of us. And then we wonder why it's broken. It's really unique how we do that is we point out all the flaws in everything we have. And I'm not saying every day all the time. I'm just saying when things, it tends to go that way. But, you know, God knows our heart. There's, there is no, no better time or stronger I love I have for Susan than when I can see her through God's eyes because she's flawless. She's flawless. But when I look through human eyes and I look through what I know or where I've been hurt or what's happened in the past, it's it's a broken mess. And I think we, we miss that sometimes of that part of the way to make a marriage work great is have a close relationship with God so you can see your spouse through God's eyes. Where he goes, look at that heart. Look at that patience. Where I go, yeah, but. And she does it to me. We do it to all of our spouses. And and I, I you know, I, I think it's one of those things that why me? Because um, God knows you're capable. God already knows what you can do may scare you to death and you think there's no way I can ever do this, but God knows what you're capable of. He knows what you're capable of with his help. And sometimes we feel like that we got to do it alone. We feel like that it's, it's, well, I can't do it because of dot, dot, dot. And you're right. You can't, but with God, it, it changes the whole story. And now you have God standing behind you saying, let's go, son. Let's go, daughter. I got you. I got this. 
Well, and I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking for those of you who are not maybe walking with the Lord the way that you think you should be, or you've distanced yourself from God or whatever the case may be, he knows your heart as well. Right. It's not just for those of us who have been through the fire and have made the choice to continue to seek him and walk with him. And like there's days I literally can't get enough because I know what my life was without him in it and I don't want to go back there. But for those of you who maybe are mad at God even or um, he just is not, he's just set up a whole, allowed a whole bunch of stuff to happen in your life that you don't really want to deal with him for lack of a better word. He still knows your heart. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. He created every single one of us. So he knows your heart because he created it. And you don't have to be a perfect Christian in order for him to know your heart. You don't have to be a perfect Christian in order for you to have a walk with him. David and I are the furthest thing from Christian, perfect Christians. But our desire is to please him. Our desire is to walk with him. Our desire is to, because of the stuff that he's already brought us through and that we don't want to go back to. But we still mess up. But he still knows our heart. So just like you, if you are down in the mud and the grime and the scum of life, he still knows your heart and his greatest desire would be for you to cry out to him so that he can heal that heart. Absolutely. And we are living proof, literally, that he heals hearts and he can fix brokenness. But you've got to reach out to him. He stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't kick it in. He doesn't bust it down. He stands at the door and knocks, and he so desperately wants you to open it, but you have to open it. And then he will um, come in and spend time with you if you want to spend time with him. Um, it's, it's, it's not always an easy walk. You know, sometimes you have friends over that you guys get into a conversation that's sometimes hurtful or it's not always joyous. It's That's the way it is with walking the Christian life. It's not always easy. And sometimes living for the world is a lot easier than walking with Jesus because you know the world's going to hurt you. But when something happens when you're walking with Jesus and then you get hurt, it's like, hey, hold up here. Wasn't expecting this. Especially by somebody that is a, a Christian. And I'm going to use that term broadly. And I think we've got to the... I. I've got to the point, I don't know about Susan, that, uh, you know, what, what people deem as Christian today doesn't really, I don't really connect with. Um, I'm more curious what God deems as a Christian. Mm. I'm more curious what, you know, what I'm supposed to do by Christian standards today. Um, they're not the same as what was deemed as Christian standards back in the day. So, I mean, for me, it's more about finding out where God is and, and what he's calling me to do. Um, because the thing is, I think it gets very muddy in the middle because you got to realize you're dealing with broken people. And, uh, and when you deal with broken people, there's going to be brokenness. And so it's kind of one of those things that you've got to, for me, you've really got to try to focus on where God's going, what this looks like. 
and I don't mean this probably exactly the way it sounds. It's probably going to come out harsh and that's not my intent, but you really need to be more concerned about what God thinks than what other Christians think. Because, mm-hmm. because it's one of those things that again, when you use head knowledge, I need to, I need to dress to the nines to go to church. I need to look beautiful. I need to look perfect. I need to whatever, whatever yours is because everybody's is different. Um, and Susan's right. He's just wanting you to cry out for him. Mm-hmm. There, there's no real magic in this. I, I think we've overcomplicated it a great deal. Just cry out to him mm-hmm. because if you don't cry out to him, you know what happens? I've got a friend of mine and, uh, Whenever he talks about before he was saved, it's like, God did this and left me high and dry. Was God even in the car? You didn't bring God along. You didn't even know God, nor did you want to. You know, and then when things don't work out, we call him to rescue us. Mm -hmm. And it's like, God's going like, hey, I haven't been involved at all to this point. Why? What are you wanting me to do? I mean, that's. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but it's kind of the way I feel like we do him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's never in the day-to-day walk, but then we hold him liable for where we end up. <laughs> it's kind of an oxymoron, but that's what God's revealed to me is if I'm not in every step, then why are you blaming me that we ended up here? Because mm-hmm. you're the one that's going. And right. so... You know, we want to encourage you during this Christmas time. Um, uh, we all have families. We all are going to have family gatherings. Um, not all of them are going to go well. Not all the family's going to show up or whatever your situation is, or you may have no one. Um, the thing is, it, it really comes back to you figuring out how to rely on God um, and quit trying to impress everybody. That's really kind of where I'm at. Well, and something that um, David and I prayed before we got on here um, was, you know, this holiday season, every holiday season gets so caught up in the busyness of it and trying to impress and getting exhausted and money's tight because you're spending all this money on things that people don't need or want. Um, And so Christ kind of gets pushed aside um, and so what I prayed was that that everybody's coming to our house for Christmas, that David and I would be the light of Christ, that he wouldn't get pushed aside, even if it's just David and I that act like Christ or shine his light. Let us be those. Let us be that. So I would encourage you today when you're or this season, when you're with your family, or with your when you're with strangers, when you go out for the last minute Christmas shopping, be that light, because Jesus is what this season is about. It's not about the gifts; it's about being together with people you love, and cherishing them. Um, I, I've been reading a lot of things. Is you never know if you'll get another Christmas with the people that are at this Christmas. Right. And so just to love them um, and and be that light for them, because this is what Jesus is, the reason for the season. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, we love you. We appreciate you listening, and we hope that this um, touches you somewhere. Um, 
So you guys have a great Christmas. We'll see you on the flip side. Bye.